ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the OI and Offside podcast. Tonight I'm joined by play-by-play announcer for the Georgetown Raiders in the OJHL, also co-host of Rinkside on your TV, Halton, uh, which covers the OJHL as well. Alan Corkum, my friend, how are you doing this evening? Not too bad. Thanks for having me, and congratulations on the new show. No, it's it's in this episode two, and thank you very much. It's uh, it's only going to get better from here, and uh, right now it's just uh, we're slowly getting the wheels going, but it's uh, it's gonna, it's moving faster and faster as uh, each of the episodes uh, drop on uh, the Offside Hockey Talk Twitter account. Just give me your take on uh, Team Canada's uh, seven cuts, uh, I believe, which happened. At, this week for Team Canada. Yeah, five forwards and two goalies got cut. The two goalies that were let go were Tristan Lennox, who played for the Saginaw Spirit of the OHL, and Brett Roshu. I had a little bit of familiarity with Lennox back in the OJHL days. He was an affiliate player with uh, Milton slash Bradford, and he had an outstanding game in Georgetown one night, 50-plus days before he got called up to Saginaw. He just was a, I think he was the youngest goalie in the camp, so it was not much of a surprise that he got cut, but it was good to get exposure for him, and then maybe this will be a stepping stone for maybe next year or the year after. We'll have to see. And then Brochu was also a good goaltender, but you know, sometimes, you know, unfortunately you have to give get rid of some of the good players to keep the good players, because I think the best goalie I've heard so far at camp has had a great camp has been uh, Devin Levi. He's been a great camp. Uh, he's a former uh, junior A product with uh, Carlton Place. I think he's now playing for Northeastern in the uh, NCAA. So that's correct. Yeah. He looks pretty good out there. So he might be the um, the other two goalies are good as well. So we'll have to see. Yeah, and, and Goche is the other goaltender from uh, Prince George, I believe. Uh, played Prince George. Coach. Yeah. So I wanted to have you on, Alan, to cover the Eastern part of Canada, the players on Team Canada that are still on the roster uh, in selection camp who play in the East, and I'm going to have. Donovan Quinn and possibly Gideon Hill on episode three to cover the Western side of the Team Canada selection. Um, but the departure of goalie Brett Bouchou, uh, I did have Ryan McKenna on the very first episode of the OI. Uh, and that was a very good story. Brett Bouchou played Junior C, now played with the London Knights. It's very sad that he's now been cut from Team the Team Canada selection camp, um, and Tr- Tristan Lennox, uh, Dylan Garland, Taylor Goche, and Devin Levi. Yeah, so, so Garland, Goche, and Levi are the three goalies that will uh, man the nets for Canada. Now it depends on who gets the number one job. I said Levi's had a strong camp thus far. And then Garland and Goche are some veterans as well. So it's going to be a nice competition in the next couple of weeks to see who will uh, take the reins as number one. But last year, I think the uh, the goalie that started, I think it was Nico Dawes, but he struggled early and they went to um, Joel Hofer. He ended up uh, winning the gold medal for Canada. So the guy that starts in goal for Canada might not be the one to end it, depending on how uh, things turn out early on. I believe the first game is against Germany, so there might be a, a little bit of an easier test. So they may go with... Uh... The starter that they want to bowl into the tournament, or they may they, they may go with their their second choice goaltender in, in the Germany game and see how he works out. Uh, but then you'll have a bigger test versus the United States, uh, Finland, and, 
and so forth. So, so yeah, it's uh, it's Garland, Goche, and Levi right now as the three goaltenders. Uh, just mention to the viewers the uh, forwards that got cut. As Team Canada has not uh, cut any defensemen as of right now. Now I know when this episode drops uh, Tuesday, um, I think the other nine cuts m might be made already. Um, so next week when we do episode four on on the OI, we will we will cover the the nine final nine cuts. So just uh, give the viewers your take on the. Uh, the forwards that got cut in World Junior Selection Camp. Well, probably one of the biggest surprises may have been the uh, the young gun from the OHL, Shane Wright of the Kingston Frontenacs, who had a great rookie season last year. He was 16 years old among the cuts. I think the reason maybe for him cut is because they had so many veterans coming in this year, and I think they probably thought that Wright would just be a fourth-line plugger and he'd only play a few minutes. He might have surprised a few people, get a goal or something, and then maybe get up there. But I think they're thinking about him for the long term, maybe for Canada in maybe the next couple of years. Um, some other forwards, Tyson Forrester, a first-round draft pick of the Philadelphia Flyers who played for the Barry Colts. Also a former OJHL AP, I believe was a new market before they became built to menace. Uh, so he had a great season in Barry last year, which led to that first-round pick by Philly. Another first-round pick from the Q League, Hendricks Lapierre, was cut as well. He was a bit of a surprise too, but he was a bit of a, a wild card being drafted where he was. But I guess they just didn't see enough in him to keep him. And some other cuts were Cole Schwint. I believe he's an OHLer. Um, Adam Deckman. And that's it. There's, a, there's the other ones right now. So those are the seven, the five forwards, the two goalies as we speak right now. But I believe, as you said, by the time your next episode drops, Jamie, you'll probably know the uh, full Team Canada. But the thing is, will they have a couple guys maybe on standby because of this COVID situation that's really been affecting the World Juniors? The Canada had the quarantine early on, and now there's a couple teams over in Europe. Sweden's been affected. I think it's like four or five players. Germany's going to miss a couple of their top players. So we're going to see what happens with these teams. Are they going to even come over to North America now, depending on the uh, COVID situation? Yeah, and Connor Bedard was playing. We all know... We've all heard the Connor Bedard story. Uh, Rod Peterson has, has uh, had him and he's been talking about the Connor Bedard situation as long as uh, Connor Bedard has been part of the Regina Pats in the uh, WHL. And he's come over from Sweden and he's home now uh, because of that situation over in Europe. So he's home and, and uh, wherever, he, wherever he calls home and yeah, it's. I believe it's a bank. I think it's the Vancouver area, Jane. I think it lives in North Vancouver or somewhere in the suburbs of okay. Vancouver. I know uh, Gideon and Quinn would know better than me about that. But Prince Street, BC. Yeah, so it's. But yeah, it's. We were all optimistic at the beginning, Craig. Craig Button. Um, I haven't heard uh, much more about the the situation. The players coming over from Europe, coming over from the states. Entering Canada in the Edmonton bubble, where World Juniors will take place, and yeah, you're right. That's a it's a whole new whole new scenario now with the the COVID ongoing in Canada. Uh, I don't know how many teams will be part of the tournament, but um, let's just kind of see how this week goes. We, Team Canada got nine cuts left to do, so we'll, we'll cover that next week on uh, episode four. All the 
by episode four, all the cuts will be made. And I believe Kansas is going to go with 22 skaters and three goaltenders. And would you like to add anything else to uh, what you've heard in, in the World Junior Camp in the last week or so? Well, it's just going to be interesting to see what happens uh, with the teams because I said right now, by the time uh, your this episode airs and your next one tapes, Jamie, I think they're going to have to be in Canada if they have to follow the two-week quarantine because the tournament is supposed to start Christmas Day. I think there's a game or two on Christmas Day, and then it gets going fully on Boxing Day. So right now that would mean that teams have had to be here by the weekend, like this, the weekend of this, the two weekends before December 12th area. So we'll have to see what happens. And yeah, this is going to be, Canada's going to be full of some of the veterans. I think Dylan Cousins and Kirby Dogger, a couple of players are going to be counted on to uh, bring big things for Canada and maybe an offensive spark as well from Quinton Byfield. And then I said that goalie situation is going to be a wild card because they're three unknown goalies to the world stage, but they all can be impressive. But I mean, it depends if they're going to go by committee or is one going to grab the bull by the horns and run with the starting job. Yeah, Canada had 42 invited players who quarantined for 14 days. Five were released for health reasons before the players returned to the ice um, on Tuesday. And Tournier, however you pronounce his last name, sorry. Yeah. Former Mooseheads coach, too. He had a brief cup of coffee, then he went to the 67s. Oh, I, I did not know that. I know they had uh, qu they had quite a few before uh, J.J. Daniel came on board in the, uh, the last year and a half or so. Uh, just a little quote from Tournier. We needed to cut the cut the numbers. It's unfortunate, but we're really happy with the players remaining at camp. And soon, soon the roster will be down to 22, 22 skaters and three goalies. So, yeah, it's it's a difficult time. I know um, Craig Button will be joining the Offside uh, Hockey Talk this week. Um, that has not yet dropped on Twitter. It was announced on Twitter. Uh, James has announced it on Twitter, but the uh, the actual interview hasn't dropped yet. Uh, so let's have a listen to that in the next couple of days, and and Craig will uh, talk about the a little bit more about the World Juniors. But right now we're just kind of talking about what you know in, in the Ontario area, and like you said, I'll talk to Quinn and and Giddy on episode uh, three and get their Western view on the selection camp. How's it like in Ontario, and and when do you see the O A? Sorry, the O J H L returning back to Ontario. I know you guys have quite a few teams, and will some teams not uh, come back? Will some teams pause the rest of the year? Or do you are you optimistic that uh, all the teams in the O J H L will come back mid January or so? Maybe maybe a Feb one start date. But what's your uh, opinion on? the state of the uh, Ontario Junior Hockey League? Well, I think right now, Jamie, it all depends on how the uh, lockdowns and restrictions go in each region because right now everybody except for uh, six teams have not even played an exhibition game. And right now the only teams that are playing exhibition games are the Whitby Fury and the Coburg Cougars, and they're in the, the eastern part of Ontario. So Coburg is actually hosting all the games, and that's the only loophole that Whitby can get away with because they're – Third region where Whitby is located in Ontario is in the red zone, like we are here in Halton, which means they can't host any exhibition games and can only have 10 people on the ice at a time. So there are some rumblings about some maybe some other exhibition games coming with the other four teams that have played so far, which have been the Collingwood Blues, the Lindsay Muskies, 
the Trenton Golden Hawks and the Wellington Dukes. Uh, Trenton and Wellington had an eight-game series for a uh, – it's called the ACP Cup. It was uh, to honor the military, which is in Trenton. They have the, uh, the the base there, so it's a great honor for them. And they also had a uh, game, to uh, speak, um, a bit of a tie to the East Coast well for the elite Jen Casey, who was with the Snowbirds. Uh, she used to work in Trenton on the radio, so they had a they had a they wore special jerseys for one of those games, and they auctioned them off to raise money, I think, for the military and for her family. So that was a great cause. And there was the only other team that they're talking about might be playing exhibition games. Nothing's been confirmed yet. Are the Brantford Nine Niners, who are in another region that's not red or gray, which is the lockdown. But right now, the whole South Division, which comprised of all the teams in Toronto, the Mississauga Chargers, and the Brampton Admirals, they're in lockdown. They can't even practice right now. And the teams in the West Division, the Buffalo Junior Sabres, unfortunately, I took the year off because of the border situation with Canada and the U.S., so they won't be playing if we do have a season. But the five other teams, Brantford, the Georgetown Raiders, which I cover closely, and some other teams I cover closely, the Milton Menace, the Oakville Blades, and the Burlington Cougars, all are in red zone right now. They can still practice with 10 people on the ice at a time, but they can't have any exhibition games. And I spoke with via text with Scott McCrory, who is the uh, coach and general manager of the Georgetown Raiders. And he said right now what they're doing is three times a day, they'll have nine players, one coach on the ice to get some, you know, get their legs going. But there's no physicality, no anything. And he told me until we get lowered from the red zone down to, I believe it'd be green or orange, just the next level drop, they won't be having any exhibition games. So my inkling is that won't be happening until after Christmas at the earliest and they released the numbers today as we record on a Thursday here in, in on your show that they said they could anticipate up to a few thousand cases a day starting in the new year. And if that happens, I can't see any of these restrictions lightening up anytime soon, especially in Toronto and Peel. So that one division could be in jeopardy. Hopefully, maybe Halton might lower. The cases here, even averaging anywhere between 50 and 60 a day, so that's not too bad because some of the regions that are the hot spots, like Peel and Toronto, they're getting like 500 plus a day and even York and Durham are getting over a hundred. So it's all going to be up to the government and health officials in Ontario to see what happens with these restrictions. And I think until some of the uh, cases drop and some of these restrictions get uh, lowered, I think we're going to be sitting pretty waiting for hockey to be played. So hopefully sooner and later things will happen, but Christmas is going to be a, a big telltale sign, Jamie, to see how people uh, react and they're going to stay with intermediate families. They're still going to do their normal thing and go out. And if that's the case, you might see cases go up. And then I think the season may be in jeopardy if the numbers keep going up and not down. I am. Um, I'm not sure if Kyle Hartwich, who is part of the offside hockey team, uh, who is part of the Collingwood Blues organization. Um, I'm just noticing here on the OJHL.com. Marty Savoy had a had an interview today with Alex uh, from the o OJ today. Can you just kind of uh, give us an, an update or do you know any, have, did you listen to that or can you just uh, provide some? I'm some not, not sure if that's the one he did from, is that the one that's on the homepage? It might be the one he did back in June, but I know he's talked to a couple other people. He was on a podcast with uh, Nicholas Fiore, who's the play-by-play uh, -play announcer for the Oakville Blades of the Ontario Junior Hockey League. Um, and he also went on the sh uh, on a show that's hosted by my uh, co-host of Ringside, Al Galloway. We're doing another show on your TV Halton called uh, Sports Week. And both times he's gone on to explain they have a lot of scenarios that they're talking about depending on how many teams 
They're hoping to have a 35, 36 game season starting late January is what the hope was. But now he was saying to my, uh, my friend and colleague Al the other week that he's saying that some teams may play the 30 games. Some teams might only play 10 or 15. It all depends on what the guidelines are in each region. So, and, and right now there's going to be no contact and there's even talk that holding, it's just so, this is, this is the one I can't believe that a holding penalty might be a game misconduct because that's contact. That's physical contact. I could see a fight or something, but I just don't know how the games have been. I haven't really watched a lot of the exhibition. I've seen a few of them. Like it's been okay, but I just don't know how you're going to take the physicality out of the game. I mean, yes, you can, maybe get away with the pushing and shoving and the fights after the whistle, but a body check is just part of the game. I don't know how you teach these players that they're knowing for the last six, seven years playing, coming up the ranks of, you know, Bantam and Midget now and Junior, how to stop hitting, but that's what they're going to have to do right now if they want to play hockey. And plus we got to see these cases go down. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens, but right now everybody has to wear a they have to wear a mask underneath their helmets so they're, they're wearing I've, shield I've, they're also wearing I've, a face mask I've, playing I've the saw, game i've seen that where they're wearing they where they're wearing the mask they do sell them here in and Hel- at halifax or dartmouth pro hockey life and they don't have to wear them here and uh, we're down to about 64 active cases four new cases today but um there was a case just up the street from me in, in an elementary school so yeah yeah everyone would like uh, gifts for Christmas, but for all of us who are involved with hockey teams or clubs, uh, we, we want a start date to hockey. I, I don't care about getting a Nintendo or a PlayStation. I want to get a, a date. I want to, I want to, I want to, I don't want them to finalize the date. I just want some, something just kind of wrapped up and, and just, yeah. you know, like it's just, a, it's, it's going to be a different December. It's not going to be the same Christmas as we've as we've had met past years. And the uh, premier today, Stephen McNeil, they're doing an announcement tomorrow, and he, he mentioned today that you know it's not going to be the same Boxing Day as as uh, as you experience with your family. And so it it's just going to be a waiting game. Kind of just play out December, enjoy your Christmas, and enjoy your Boxing Day. I hope World Juniors happens because if we don't have World Juniors, it's it's yeah. I don't really have words to describe how December will be with no World Juniors and no start date in January and the Western. Hockey I think the Spangler Cup's not happening this year either, correct? The Spangler Cup, which is a, a tradition as well around the holidays, that's not happening, I think, as well. So that's too bad. That's a, always a great tradition as well, along with the juniors every Christmas. Canada always seems to have a great team there. Yeah, and if you're, say, for example, your NHL team is out of the playoffs, but, you know, they'll be still playing hockey. I think the regular season may still be playing in April or May. Or, yeah, that's for the World Championships, yes. Right, and and every every year they've had it, you know, if your team's out of the playoffs, you can enjoy it. But if you're, if you, if you're like Pittsburgh or teams that have made long runs into the playoffs, more, more often than not, you're missing that tournament. So, yeah. That's a tournament we all forget about, right? Until like April or May when it actually happens, and there's there's been times where big players have gone to the Spang- Spangler Cup or the World Spangler Cup happens yep. around Christmas, sorry, and the World the World Hockey Championships happen around April or May or first round, second yeah, round, late April or May, yeah, yeah. And I forgot the Spangler Cup and and Zach Bucali 
played there, played on a team yep. last year from played here in Halifax. So yep. I don't know yep. what word to really describe yep. December and how everything's going to go. It's, it'd be nice if we could have something to be optimistic about in the, in the January, but right now I just kind of, you know, hang out in your house and just not become part of a five or six, a five or six uh, group household or whatever the rules are. I, I've kind of just forgot about all the, the rules and just stayed within my own home and just uh, did the, did done the best I could to kind of just stay optimistic, but well, that's been the white, one bright spot about this is, you know, get to spend a lot more time with your family and that. So, yeah, I've, I said two young sons and my wife, so we get to spend a lot of time together. So that's been a good thing as well. You know, you learn more things about them and stuff. But I know everybody would like to get a little bit of a break, you know, get back to a little bit of, you know, hockey and stuff. What is the latest on, in Nova Scotia with you? I know the uh, Quebec League is stopped till January 3rd at least because of all the different cases with Quebec and then the Maritimes. Uh, junior B, you're with the Colts in the uh, Nova Scotia Junior B League. And then the Junior A, I know they have, some teams are playing, it seems like just around their area, because the um, Social Lumberjacks, or Bridgewater Lumberjacks, I think they're called now, they play, they've been just playing Yarmouth and Valley, it seems like. But Valley's even had a few cases, I've heard, that their, their games were postponed this weekend. Yeah. Valley they, Wildcat. Um, Yarmouth is playing tonight. I I didn't, I haven't subscribed to Hockey TV or, or your Hockey TV or whatever you... Yeah. Uh, Call the call the website. I'll just uh, bring up the MHL here now. One second. Summerside, I know are not playing at all because PEI. They don't want it, they don't want anybody to leave and come on the island. So I know Summerside and the Charlottetown Islanders were kind of uh, screwed anyway. So Summer yeah, Summerside because we have the former goalie of the Georgetown Raiders there, Nathan Torkia, just got traded there. I don't think he's even played a game yet, and because of this, he's still in limbo with the team. He hasn't even saw any game action. So, Truro, Pictou County is playing tonight. Yarmouth, South Shore Lumberjacks. Yep. South, South Shore Lumberjacks are in play out of the Bridgewater area of Nova Scotia. Amherst and the uh, Summerside Western Capital game did get canceled, postponed. Uh, but good news out of PEI today, they have, had, they have zero cases as of today. No, oh, good. No, no cases. And Grand Falls from northern New Brunswick are playing Fredericton tonight. Uh, Fredericton hasn't played in a while. There's, uh, some, there's some prospects in the Nova Scotia area that play for Fredericton. And, yeah. You know, there's a couple of guys actually from the Ontario Junior Hockey League that have been traded down there as well. Uh, just this week, Evan Benwell, who was with, I believe it was Whitby, but he had some playing time in the BCHL last year. Now in the Toronto Patriots, he got traded to Fredericton, as did Patrick Brown, who was the captain last year for the Collingwood Blues that we talked about briefly earlier. He got traded to Fredericton as well, so they got some veterans. So like some OJHL players are getting traded down in the Maritimes, those two, and then Torquia and Summerside, but also a couple others. So I don't know if that's a sign that maybe that's not a good sign for the OJHL if some of their uh, stars are being traded to the Maritimes where there is action, and to BC there has been some action until recently. So is that a telltale sign to say OJHL might be in jeopardy for this season? I don't know. Yeah, that's it. Could be right there, and 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 that's the the joy of having a billet family. Billets are a huge part of junior hockey in the A A level and the Q level because it allows kids from BC. We had Logan Logan Cash played out in BC. Now he's part of the, the East Hands Penguins, and okay. I've, talk, I've talked to Quinn Donovan about him, and he 
he's going to the University of Vermont next year. So it's crazy to say, like, we, we have a junior B player in our league that's going to Vermont next year in a Division One university in the States who played for the Penticton Bs, I believe. Yep. Now plays junior B. So, um, but he, he is from Hammond's Plain, so he, he's he's local. But uh, guys are playing playing wherever, and and you know we have McVicker who joined our team, uh, played played in Dryden, Ontario. Came from Summerside, went to Dryden, Ontario. Now plays with us, and he's home. So you you'll see a lot of movement, and it's no no surprise you'll see guys from Ontario. Go to Summerside. Go. Is Torship? Where is he from? Is he from Ontario or is he? Yeah, from- he. I believe he's from the Kitchener. I think he's from the Kitchener area, Kitchener Waterloo area. Is his, his father uh, Mike was a uh, great goaltender as well, and he actually played in the NHL with the uh, Minnesota Dallas Minnesota North Stars Dallas Stars, and he had a lot of minor league play as well. So he was a good goalie in the day as well. So he's a great guy as well. I've met him a bunch of times in Georgetown. So. You always talk after games and stuff. It just felt so bad for Nathan because he, you know, he, had, he was such a great goaltender, but some nights he was left out to dry and had to really try to bail his team out. But unfortunately, the offense was a little bit dry last year for Georgetown. So hopefully, I think he'll have a little more firepower maybe in front of him in Summerside than he did in Georgetown last year. Yeah, and, and Summerside Western Capitals have been granted the 2022 Fred Page Cup, and they won't have yeah. they won't have Torshire. So I thought maybe they would have shored up their goaltending uh, a little bit and had some goaltending for the, the Fred Page Cup uh, as they're going to be hosting. But he's going to be aged out by the time that Fred Page is played in Summerside. So I'm not really sure how that trade makes sense. Maybe maybe just gives him some playing time. And like I said, that's that's the joy of having Billets in Summerside or any in any town that has a junior A team. It, it allows the players to move across Canada like – you know, good friend of mine, Terry Ryan, for example, from, from St. John, Newfoundland, went all the way over to Quinnell, played in the BC Hockey League. And, you know, for Newfoundland to do that, that's a huge step, leaving his family in Newfoundland to go all the way up to BC. And it's the same in Ontario. And, you know, look at Justin Williams. He played for the Nepean Raiders, went on to play in the NHL, won, a, won Stanley Cups. So, you know, if you're, if you, strongly believe that you have something to prove at the A level, move to a place where you're going to play and that team has a chance. Uh, now it's different if you're a highly talented player in the, in the Maritimes and you go to an Ontario hockey team and you're playing on a mediocre team, but you have all the skill in the world. Yeah. That, that doesn't make sense, but it's, you see it a lot more now because of COVID in certain areas, like, do the Toronto area teams play? Do they have a bubble? Like, can you see some of the OJHL teams that haven't played play in a bubble to get caught up to those other teams that maybe have played already? That was one thing I believe that Marty Savoy, the commissioner, did talk about with is maybe a possible bubble, like maybe having a few teams play out of Oakville and maybe a couple teams in Toronto, but. He said there's so many plans on the table right now for to try to start the season that they don't know what they're doing right now. It all depends on the Ontario government and all the uh, health boards in every uh, every region, like whether it be Peel, Halton, Toronto, Durham, York, and on, out in the eastern part of Ontario and up in, in the Collingwood area. It all depends on what they say. They've been really doing strict uh, guidelines with the health. You know, they're 
sanitizing, you know, making sure the temperature's checked before they go in the rink. And I think even before, just before they go on the ice, they're having a lot of strict guidelines. But I mean, it all depends on what the government said. If they say you only have 10 people on the ice at a time, then you can't really have an exhibition game. If you can have more, then you can deal with the few teams that have and play some non-contact exhibition games. So we'll see what happens here in the next uh, month or so. But it all depends on how the uh, rest of the province does. Yeah, the South, West, and North Division teams haven't played a game except for Collingwood, who's in the North Division. Is Collingwood, like, on the cusp of the East Division? Like, is that how they've been able to play? Collingwood is in the North Division, but all of the East teams, like Trenton, like you said, Trenton, Wellington, Whitby, Colberg, and Lindsay, who are all in the East Division have played. How come Collingwood's been able to play where they're where they're situated in the North Division? Because they're a little bit they're a little bit further uh, north of the uh, well, all the other teams in that uh, division are either in Durham or York region. But Collingwood is kind of in, I guess, for the OHL turbines, they're kind of in the middle of nowhere because they're in the uh, Bloom, you know, Blue Mountain Ski Resort town is what Collingwood is. So they're about an hour from the nearest team, I believe, maybe forty five minutes from one of the nearest teams in that division. So. They're in a different uh, region. That's why I think it's the uh, Gray Bruce County or something it would be. So they're right now in a in a good zone. So that's why they're able to play. And the other teams in that division, which Pickering is in Durham region, and then you have Aurora, Stouffville, and Markham. They're all in the York region. And right now they're all in red, and they can only have practice with 10 people on the ice at a time. I'll have to ask Kyle why he uh, chose to live in the Collingwood area, if, you, if you're mentioning – to the viewers that it's a ski resort town. Is that, is that, is it, yeah. What, yeah. Yeah. Blue Mountain, the, probably the biggest ski resort or ski resort in Ontario is in Collingwood. So the Blue Mountain is a nice, nice area, but it's pretty steep there if you want to be there for a while. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's going to be one of those months, I guess, just wait and see and see how December goes on, on news in July. We, we can't really say for sure hey it's it's it is what it is it's 2020 we've all gotten used to it but you know let's all stay positive and just uh you know stay safe uh, stay safe in the meantime so anything else you'd like to add uh, regards to team canada or uh, any news in the uh, ojhl no, I think we pretty much covered it, Jamie. I just hope that I said everybody stays uh, safe and healthy over the holiday season. You know, do your part, be vigilant, wear a mask, you know, stay, keep, uh, keep your hands clean, all that. And if you're not feeling that well, stay home and stay away from others. You know, we want to beat this thing and get back to as much of a normal life as we can, the sooner the better. Do you have any uh, Ontario Hockey League uh, news? Do you, do you got an idea of when the – OHL will start, I believe, uh, the WHL may start around January 8th or so. There's, I think that's a tentative start date. Um, not sure about the BC Hockey League or the, the WHL teams, at which are located in the British Columbia area. But have you heard any Ontario Hockey, Ontario Hockey League news, like, say, teams in your area? I think they're hoping to start maybe early February. I think it was the last uh, ditch. But right now, the only team I believe that would be affected 
is the Mississauga Steelheads because they're in the Peel region, which is in lockdown right now. So they're probably the only team not able to practice or anything. But I haven't even heard of any teams that have been practicing or not. I do know, I believe, that the uh, contingency plan for the three American teams in the OHL are to play in Canada. I think the Erie Otters might play out of Niagara, share the arena with the Ice Dogs. And I think Saginaw and Flint are going to play maybe in Windsor or Sarnia, somewhere like that, depending. I think that's the plan for them is to play on this side of the border just because of the border situation. Because right now it is still shut to at least the 21st, and I would figure that will carry into the new year until. Depending what happens with all the uh, legal battles, depending on what happens with the new the next presidency of the United States, I guess by then we'll probably know maybe the border if our leader speaks with their leader. Uh, just two more things before we shut her down for the evening. Give me your take on what John Shannon had posted on Twitter earlier. I'll just mention the, the tweet to the viewers. Uh, source confirms that the NHL is planning the private purchase of a COVID vaccine all constituents involved in the potential upcoming season. What's your take on uh, John Shannon's tweet earlier today? Well, I know all of us want to see the NHL get back uh, going as sooner the better, it's for sure, Jamie. But I don't think the NHL should be ahead of the line from like our, you know, the most vulnerable people, like our senior citizens that are in nursing homes and and especially the healthcare workers that are, you know, battling the COVID every day and whether it's in the hospital paramedics or in a, in a home or something. I, the touchy subject, I think if everybody else gets ahead of the line of all the, the people that deserve it more than NHLers get the vaccine, then so be it. But I just don't think pro athletes should be getting, jumping the line over, you know, the, the real, uh, real important people in this uh, fight right now. NHL, yes, we're all, we all want to see hockey. We all want to cheer our favorite teams, but I, I know it's, I just, I just think the people that need it more should get it first and then maybe go with everybody else. Maybe if the NHL gets a dose from somebody, that's fine. But, well, I mean, but I guess money talks, unfortunately, the way yeah, it sounds. And I was just going to mention that at dollar, dollar bills, they, if, if they show out, shove out, or shovel out the dollar bills to the, the vaccination, vaccination, uh, yeah. te teams or the, the people that created the vaccine, if the NHL wants to, Dish out the money. They can't say no to money. So um, I know Pfizer has been part of the uh, part of uh, Canada on distributing vaccines to Canada, and and I believe Nova Scotia is getting the first dose, nineteen hundred and fifty or so. And Pfizer is part of the the Canada vaccine plan. Uh, so who knows if the NHL has the money, which I, we all know they do, and they and they say. How much is it going to take for us? To, well, how much is it going to take uh, to get some vaccines to all our players? How many players is it possible playing? 600, 700 players that may play in this upcoming season. So, hey, you know, if they got the dollar bills, which we all know they have, yeah. they, the companies that provide the vaccines uh, in the States and Canada will have a hard time saying no. So, but that's going to be a scary precedent, I think, if the NHL does something like this. Because you're going to see the same thing in all walks. Like, you're going to see the rich get it first, though. Well, you know, I'll pay X amount of dollars to get the vaccine. And unfortunately, somebody that may really have COVID, you know, that's, in a, you know, maybe not as wealthy, you know, middle class or below the poverty line, they're not going to get it because some 
some celebrity or some pro athlete is going to pay the money to get the dose before you. And it's going to be a touchy subject, I think, especially covering the media and the news and that. But we understand that money talks. And yeah, right now it's going to be, I think it's going to, and then I think it's going to be, some people are going to frown upon this too, like the, the regular folk, maybe not some NHL hardcore fans, but the regular folks see this in the media say, oh, the NHL players get it before, you know, a nurse, a nursing home worker, uh, first responder or something in the hospital. And it's going to look, I think it's going to be, it might be bad press for the NHL too. I, I think it'll be a different company. I don't believe that Pfizer, which I believe yeah. they're on board to help Canadians, non-NHLers. And they're, they have it. They're doing it right. They're giving it, giving it to first responders, people, EM, uh, EMS, yeah. you know, uh, pe- nurses, people in the hospital. I don't believe that Pfizer is going to give the NHL any doses of what, what Canada des- des- deserves, like like the nurses and the first responders yeah. and stuff. I think it may have to go to a private source and let them deal with it because the NHL is going to dish out money. Then I don't believe Pfizer is going to want the, anything to do with that, the NHL. So it makes sense, like, Next topic before we, we do go, uh, how do you feel about the 56-game schedule that is that has been released? And give me your top uh, top seven in the in the All Canadian Division, which they've already uh, with the, which they already discussed that will happen. Uh, do, do you would would this be something you'd want to see like every every year at the All Canadian Division? I don't know. I had to see how it goes this year. I think it's going to be tough. I think it's. I think it's a nice price to have maybe for a year or two. But I think it, we'll have to see what happens to that. If it if it goes well, then maybe it's something we think about down the road. But let's just enjoy it this year, and we'll see how it goes and what happens. As to the uh, placement of teams, well, I'm looking at how the teams did in the off season. I think your top four might be. I think Toronto should be up there as well. But I mean, the playoffs are always their Achilles' heels, so we'll see what happens there. I think Calgary made some nice moves as well. They should be in the thick of things. Um, Vancouver as well. I mean, they, I mean, they know there'd be you know Marks went to Calgary, but they didn't do a lot on the players. But at least hopefully he's got some experience, won a cup. Nate Schmidt was uh, on the opposite end of that, but at least he got to the cup. So a couple of nice players for Vancouver. And then you look at uh, you got other teams. Trying to get the other teams there. Edmonton. I mean, they got a great team. It's just the goaltending is going to be their question mark. They didn't upgrade the goaltending, so re- really, can they? Can they do anything? It's hard to say. Montreal should be improved. They've added some veterans, and Carey Price is always a wild card in goal for the Montreal Canadiens, so we'll see what happens there. Ottawa, I mean, they added Matt Murray, a couple other players. I don't. I think Murray will help them solidify the back end a little bit. I just don't think he's going to put them over the top. I think he'll be battling for one of the last two spots. Winnipeg, again, know a lot of people have been talking about them maybe being near the bottom of the All-Canadian division, but I mean, they have Connor Hallebuck. He was the best of last year. He can play strong goal. Patrick Line is going to be a question to see if he gets traded or not. But I think if he does get traded, they're going to get back a lot of good pieces for him. And they got some good players as well. Blake Wheeler, Kyle Connor, just to name a couple. I think I'm forgetting one team. I don't know. I'm trying to think. Winnipeg, Toronto, Ottawa. I think we got them all there. Um, but if you if you could have a six million dollar goaltender be the business finalist, then you're doing pretty good. Sign sign that guy up. And in the last week, or in the last week, we're into Thursday. I believe it was on Tuesday. 
I follow the the Rod Peterson show and the producer of the Rod Peterson show, Clark, yep. has a a squad cast show with Mad Max, and they've they've covered the Jets, they've covered the Flames, they've covered the Vancouver Canucks. There's the four teams they've covered: Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, Edmonton, and Winnipeg, who they've covered so far, and yep. and and Sean. Sean, uh, forget the, the gentleman's name who was on the on the show who covers Winnipeg. And it must be a treat for an NHL team to only pay the goalie six million dollars and be a Vesna finalist. And yeah, uh, Line, if anybody moves out of Winnipeg, it will be Patrick Line because I, I, I did ask the question, you know, uh, where do you see Nikolai? Nikolai Ehlers, and he was part of that trade conversation before Line requested a trade. So you'll you'll see the Ehlers actually now be there longer than uh, people thought, and I hope he does get 40 goals as a Jets player. I don't believe he's reached 30 goals yet, but he'll gradually get to the 30-goal plateau, and Calgary's, Calgary's added players from Vancouver, so basically the players from Vancouver left. Vancouver went to Calgary, and Vancouver hasn't really been able to uh, replace Tapoli. They they replaced yeah. they replaced uh, uh, Tanner with with Nate Smith, and they've got Braden Holpe, and he, he's gonna have a bounce back year. But if you don't see results from Holpe, then you have Thatcher Demko. So yes, they, they haven't. Demko did well last year. Yeah, and they, every team now like there hasn't been much coverage going east like. Next week, the, the boys will cover uh, the Ottawa, yeah. Sen- Ottawa Senators and the uh, the other Canadian team there in the East, like Montreal. And yeah, Montreal, Ottawa, and Toronto, yeah. The the, the, the last three. And uh, who knows what they'll talk about regards to those three teams. But, you know, as far as the West, Calgary improved. And I believe Montreal improved a little bit yeah. better than Toronto. But... You know, this is a Toronto-based podcast. Like we're a Toronto, we support all Toronto teams, and we talk about the Leafs. And we and and be can't think of the word, but we can't put Toronto at number one. We like to have Toronto at number one, but we it just not realistically realistic. Yeah, but Montreal had really I'm not a Montreal fan, but they have really improved with the veterans they picked up. You know, they got Joel Edmondson, they picked up. Uh, they got uh, Tyler DeFoley. Josh Anderson in a trade for Max Domi. So they really added some bulk and some scoring there. So that's going to really help. That's been one key for Montreal has been missing the last couple of So, so we'll put Montreal. We'll size. Put Montreal, They've had a lot of smaller skilled players, but not that grip. We'll put Montreal at number one. Uh, Calgary or Vancouver. I don't know about number one, but. <laughs> well, it, it was discussed today on TSN that, you know, Montreal has improved. They're going to be number one, in my opinion. Because I don't believe Calgary is going to be there. Vancouver has the best chance at number one, but slightly, slightly a little bit better than Calgary. But we'll put Montreal at number one, Vancouver at two, Toronto's around the three and four, Vancouver, or excuse me, Calgary's around four. Then we've got Edmonton at five, uh, or Winnipeg at four or five, and then we've got. Uh, Ottawa at seven, and there's a dog fight between four and six in the in the yeah. All Canadian Division. But I I strongly want to see. I watched it the other day on Sportsnet. They showed the '94 
uh, conference final when, you know, Toronto was in a different conference. They were in the Western Conference, and they never yep. got to play Montreal. Yep, they, were. they never got to play Quebec because how the division was in 93-94 was, you know, Toronto played the West teams, and yep. I, I don't think they would have beat – say if they were in the East in 93-94, I don't believe they would have beat Montreal. So it would still have been uh, Montreal and L.A., uh, New York and Vancouver, because uh, – no way Toronto's going to beat, say, Quebec or Montreal um, in the 93-94-95 season. But yeah, those are my top seven. I, I put Montreal at two. It's a dogfight between two and three and between four and seven. You know, it's between Calgary, Vancouver, Edmonton. I'm an Ottawa Senators fan along with the Leafs fan. I don't really want to put Ottawa at seven. I am... <laughs> going to say it here on this episode. James has Winnipeg at seven. So that's his opinion. But, hey, everyone's going to have a different different uh, one through seven. It's not going to all be the same. You can't all agree with Craig Button. You can't all no. agree with Elliot Friedman, Bob McKenzie. So we'll just leave it at that. So no. you're, you're okay with the, the 56 games? And it's safe to say with the 56 six games that will be played, uh, Austin Matthews won't get 50. It's, it was a heartbreak last year, only scoring 47 goals in 68 games yeah. because of COVID. But I believe he would have, he would have broke the 50 goal. Uh, he would have broken 50 goals if he played 10 or 12 more games, but uh, yeah, Austin Matthews won't get 50 this year. It's unfortunate. And, and it's too bad because we all want to see. Ovechkin. I don't know if anybody will with fifty-six game season. Well, he might. He might get. 30, he might get thirty goals, thirty-one goals. But you got to think if you get thirty goals. Yeah, and thirty. He might see a thirty-five, forty goal score. If if you see a thirty-one goal season this year, that will be equivalent to a fifty goal season. Forty-eight, forty-nine, fifty goals, yeah. and. And it's unfortunate because Ovechkin's 36 years old. And yep. I, I want to see him, at least during my lifetime, I want to see Ovechkin beat the Wayne Gretzky record. I don't see it happening. Uh, we talked about it, the four of us, yourself, no. Quinn, and Gideon on a, an offside episode a couple weeks ago. And I believe he's got 130-odd goals left to do, a, a score at, uh, at the age of 36, it'll be 44. Maybe he plays till 50. Maybe he plays as long as Gordie Howe, but it's a different NHL. He's not going to play as many years as Chelios and, yeah. and Gordie Howe and those guys. So I believe we covered everything, Alan. We covered the World Juniors. We covered your Georgetown yep. Raiders. We covered the, the Ontario Junior Hockey League. And uh, just to give the viewers a recap, Canada did cut seven players in World Junior Selection Camp. So nine more cuts left to go. I believe we'll, I may, I believe the nine cuts happen in the next couple of days. There's no defenseman cut as of right now. Is that correct? I believe so. Unless there was some in that first, but that was because of the COVID. I think maybe one or two did, but none have been cut actually. It was just the five forwards and two goalies at the moment. So the, the other nine players to be cut may, may uh, happen before this episode drops on on Tuesday of this week. So for all you, for all uh, 
the viewers listening to this on Tuesday, uh, we'll discuss the, the nine cuts um, on episode three of the OI. Alan, thank you very much for joining me. It's been been a pleasure, and uh, thanks for joining the second episode of the OI and Offside Hockey Talk podcast. Awesome. Pleasure to be out here, Jamie. Thanks for having me.